You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Well, today is day 22 of Easter. Did you realize that? It's 22 days since Easter. This is Easter tide for all you liturgical saints. And we're in day 22, and I, I, I just love staying and just meditating on all the wonders of the resurrection, everything that that represents. Because I, this, this week, even as I was uh, talking with people, I was amazed at, at how erroneous we, we, our perception are of what God's doing. Uh, talked with a lady this week and had to put her kitty cat down. And, uh, you know, that goes right to my heart. We had to put our, our dog Sugar, little Shih Tzu, down several years ago, and I'm still grieving Still can't get over that little rascal, you know. And there's there's something about putting that, you know, when you have to put something down, an animal like that, and a pet, a loved one, and without her even realizing it, she just slipped. She said, uh, "It's kind of hard to trust God when He takes away your cat." And I'm just thinking, "Oh my stars, are we still thinking that God is the one that kills our cats?" No. It's like. Oh, it, it just it hit me like a ton of bricks. It was like, oh man, this is, this is a person that's been in the church forever. And, and, and yet the pain that's associated with the loss gets attributed to the Lord. And I'm just thinking, oh, sweetheart, we have an adversary that wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And if it can't get you, it'll go after your kids. It'll go after your cat. It'll go after whatever it can go after. It's here to kill. So I was like, oh, Jesus, have mercy on us. So what is God doing? He's raising the dead. Mm -hmm. John chapter 20, beginning at verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Tell your neighbor, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. This is one of those cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs moments when I imagine the joy was so ecstatic that there wasn't uh, an adequate way to give expression to it. They're just overjoyed that they realized that they saw the Lord. Remember the trauma of the crucifixion, the trauma of the passion, the suffering, the scourging, uh, all the mockery, everything, the trip up to, to Golgotha, um, the crucifixion on the cross. All of that had, had so hit them that they had forgotten everything that Jesus had said about what was going to happen to him. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So right in the, the middle of, of being overwhelmed with joy that Jesus was no longer dead, but he was alive, and they're filled with incredible joy. They get the second peace be with you, 
followed by a commission. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Now, mind you, the end of Matthew in chapter 28, it said, all authority in heaven and on earth had been given to the Lord Jesus. And he said, go and make disciples of all nations. And he continues with the Great Commission. All authority has been given to Jesus as he's raised from the dead. <laughs> and now he commissions us. And as the Father has sent him, he is now sending us. Wow. And with that, he breathed on them and he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. How did the Father send Jesus? As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. How has the Father sent Jesus? Hmm? You guys are talking at the same time, and I'm hearing, I'm hearing him? Through Mary. Through Mary. Okay. We'll get to that. Yeah. What'd you say? As a man. As a man. Very good. The Father sent Jesus to the earth as a man. Mm-hmm. Everybody else asleep? <laughs> How did the Father send Jesus? As a son? As a man? As part of himself? As a witness? Okay. Okay. To bring the kingdom? That was his purpose, yeah. How, how did he send him? Conceived of the Holy Spirit. How are you to be sent? Do you realize that when you gave your heart to Jesus, that the Holy Spirit was brooding over you? <laughs> Just as the Holy Spirit came upon Mary, and Jesus was conceived. So in the new birth, we find that the Holy Spirit is brooding over you and you're conceived very much the same way as Jesus was. His in the natural, yours in the supernatural, yours in the spirit. You were, you were born again. Spirit gives birth to spirit. So it's by the Holy Spirit that Jesus was sent. He came. It's amazing. We find... It over and over again. How many have ever had an encounter with the Holy Spirit? Anybody been born again? You've had an encounter with the Holy Spirit if you've been born again. Okay? So Jesus has an encounter with the Holy Spirit at his, at his birth. We, we see that through his childhood, a lot of the silent years, but when we get ready for his ministry to start, he comes to the Jordan to be baptized by John. And once again, we have the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. And so we find that the way in which the Father sent Jesus was through the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit coming upon him, yet he was sent fully as a man. Jesus emptied himself of all his, divine, his divinity, all his power, everything that he had that was by nature being the second person uh, 
the Son of God, he emptied himself of all of that. He receives the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit comes upon him at his baptism. And then the Father sends him with a threefold affirmation. What's the Father say? You're my boy. You belong to me. You're mine. You're my son, whom I love. And with you, I am well pleased. Oh, he has father's approval. He has father's love and he has full ownership. He belongs to the father. So there is that threefold affirmation at Jesus' baptism that just solidifies that he belongs to the Father. As the Father has sent me, so am I sending you. What do you need? You need to know who you belong to. You need to know that you're loved. And when the enemy brings up what you did last night, just say, nothing negates the love that the Father has for me. Nothing. You can't can't in any way sabotage the love that the Father has for me. And with me, he's well pleased. Isn't it nice to, to feel approved by God? How much of the time do you feel approved by God? If you had to give it a percentage. Feel approved? Feel that he is pleased with you. 30? 100% over here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. To, 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 I think one of the things that keeps us uh, from really being effective in the world is that we don't know how much he approves of us. We don't understand how pleased he is with us. We, when we start doing well and you compare yourself, there's always going to be someone who's doing more, doing greater, doing better according to human eyes. And therefore, we feel like we're not, we're not as deserving, we're not proceeding, we're not accomplishing, we're not as effective. And so we, we start to feel like we don't deserve him to be pleased with us. Huh. His please and pleasure with us is not based on our performance. It's not based on what we do. It's based on what we believe. Do we believe that he loves us? Do we believe that he is pleased with us? If you go on a performance basis based on human beings in the world, you'll never measure up. But if you go on another system, (laughs) if you go on the system of heaven, you may start to get a revelation of how absolutely, totally delighted he is in you even when you mess up, even when you mess up. 
this, this whole thing of, of, of growing in the fullness of being sent by Jesus as the Father has sent Jesus, he's sending us. As we realize that that's going, we're going to have different developmental periods of, of the process. We've got little Zoe right now, and she comes over the house, and she's just crawling up a storm. And she pulls herself up, and Deb just chewed her out, gave her a spanking because she wasn't walking perfectly. Yeah. No, that's ridiculous, isn't it? But that's what we, that's what we think, and the enemy gets us to buy into that. Because we're not living the Christian life in a perfect way, therefore Father must really disapprove and be upset with us. Yet he is the one that knows our frame. He knows the generations that we've come down through for generation after generation after generation. He knows the sins of our fathers, our fathers' fathers, and our fathers' fathers' fathers. He knows what we've come through. And sometimes for us just to get up and say, good morning, Jesus, he's saying, they're getting it. You know, there, there's a real sense of, of his pleasure. Just as when little Zoe picks herself up and climbs up the post on the piano leg. I know she's wanting to hit a key. Just as soon as she can do that. But she's pulling herself up. And every time she pulls herself up, I'm going, oh, that's my girl. Takes after grandpa. Look at her. She's, a, she's an achiever. She's climbing. She's do- you start busting buttons. You get so proud of your grandkids, your kids. Well, the father's the same way. Father loves it. Even when, even when we're able to just say no to something that we haven't been able to say no to. Or we've been able to say no to it in the last three out of ten times. He says, man, they're making progress. Good. Yeah. Well, I love this. We're sent the way the Father sent Jesus. He was sent as a man. He was baptized. He had his threefold affirmation. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He had all authority over sickness, over demonic, over nature, (laughs) through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he had the authority to forgive sins. And it's interesting that that's even included in this part. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Wow. Everything that Jesus had when he was sent, we have as well in the Holy Spirit. We may be developing, we may be maturing, but we have access to everything that Jesus had access to. Is that good news? Or is that bad news? Are you thinking, oh my gosh, I got access to everything and I'm living like this? Oh gosh, I'm terrible. No. The enemy tries to keep us unaware of the spiritual heavenly blessings and resources that we have in the spirit. And so be encouraged. Realize that there is more than what you've experienced that he has for you. And he has it for you even today. Continuing in verse 24, now Thomas called Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. 
But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. Wow. This is really good news, isn't it? This is so encouraging. Do you realize that when you're a skeptic and you don't believe, you don't believe in the supernatural, you don't believe in the Holy Spirit, you don't believe in the gifts, you don't believe in the, you know, the fruit of the Spirit, you don't believe in signs and wonders, you don't believe in any of that stuff, Jesus still comes after us. He still comes after us, just like he did Thomas. I just love it. You know, there was a time in my life when, as a good evangelical, I was against all things charismatic and Pentecostal. Because those were the ignorant, emotional, crazy people that believe things that they didn't even understand and they get snakes out and do all... And it was like, oh, my stars. But the Holy Spirit did not stop pursuing me. And as, as the Holy Spirit pursues you, when all of a sudden what you think you know starts to be challenged by the presence of God, it's an opportunity for you to submit and to learn something that you didn't know. And to relearn something that you thought was bad, which is actually good. And, and for there to be a, a huge substitution in our understanding of what the Spirit is and, and what he's after. I love that. I love that. There is a special pursuit of Thomas by Jesus. He had the witness of the guys that he had walked with for three years. They all saw Jesus and he, he could see the joy that was on them. He saw the women. He saw all the ones that had seen Jesus. And here he's not believing. And he won't believe unless he sees it, unless he touches. He's got to touch or see. Both. A week later, verse 26, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Hmm. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands, reach out your hand, and put it into my, put it into my side. And then he makes a declaration. He makes a, a pronouncement. He looks right at Thomas. And I think if we'll position ourselves before Jesus, even this morning, we can hear and receive this. Stop doubting and believe. Stop doubting and believe. Sometimes we don't even understand all the things that we're doubting and the posture that we have before the Lord. We don't understand how much we doubt. Huh. Some folks are just amazing believers and have great doctrine and theology until you get down to finances. And then all of a sudden, all their faith and belief goes right out the window. It's like, <gasps> others have faith and belief in salvation, but they don't have faith and belief in healing. They don't believe that God still heals. Huh. Stop doubting and believe. Just believe everything that's in the book. <laughs> believe everything that Jesus did and said, and you'll be safe. That, that'll be a good belief system. 
Start practicing, experiencing, enjoying all that's there. So here's Thomas. He is undone now. Jesus is there. He sees him. He touches. <laughs> he, he, he has an encounter with Jesus that just knocks him for a loop. And he says, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. The gospel of John is the gospel of belief. Over and over and over, we find that everything that is recorded is strategically designed to get us to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And that by believing in him, we'll have life in his name. And so we have all of this dynamic that's taken place. The miraculous is so that we can believe. The appearance and the presence of the Lord is so that we can believe. The testimonies that we share with one another is so that we can believe. Hmm. Verse 30, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. Wow. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Amen. Chapter 11, verse 25 and 6, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will never die. Praise the Lord. Wow. Mm. There's something powerful about belief. It's the very foundation of all that happens between us and God. We have to believe that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. It's impossible to believe, it's impossible to please God without faith, without believing. And so believing is, is something that we need to be very, very intentional about in our walk with the Lord. What is the biggest hindrance to you believing all that God has said. How is it that the enemy takes circumstances? How is it that he takes feelings and emotions? How is it that he takes memories and thoughts and uses them and specifically targets them so that you won't believe? What is the number one thing that he has that he uses against you? Hmm. Fear? Sadness. Sadness? Yeah. We'll use both fear and sadness. Performance. Performance. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, now we're not hitting on all eight cylinders and we start feeling like, hmm, coming up short. 
Lies. Yeah. Disappointment, huge. Disappointment. Mm-hmm. Your own thoughts. He'll, he'll use, when, when our own thoughts are not lining up with his thoughts about us, he'll use that to hinder our, our belief, our faith, that he's good, that he loves, that he cares. <laughs> I've heard Bill Johnson said, I can't afford to have a thought about me that God doesn't have about me. As soon as I have a thought about me that's different than what God thinks, yikes. The enemy can use that. And that goes both where we think we're, we're God, where we think we're, you know, we're conceited and we think we're the cat's meow, we, we, we think above what we are, or we think below of who we are. He'll use either one of those. But what God has about us is what we need. Those are the thoughts we need to hold to. Mm-hmm. How about good things? Have you ever found that good things kind of get into my life in a way that kind of crowds God out? Now this isn't to say don't do good things. But it is, let's, let's, let's realize even when we're doing good things and, and we're having a sense of victory and triumph and, we're, and we're, we're, we're having some success, the enemy will use success or failure. He'll use both sides of that one to try to get us to not to be connected with the Lord. He used both sides of that. Hmm. You know, sometimes I've been amazed at how much sports kind of gets in. I'm a, I'm a huge sports fan. My dad and I shared sports, so it was one of our father-son kind of things. Nothing wrong with sports, nothing wrong with it. But in excess, or when all of a sudden it starts to take the place, of, of time with the Lord, it starts to take the place of, of other things. Every now and then, I just kind of have to give up stuff just to let myself know, you know, I really, really enjoy this, but I don't have to have this. And, you know, I'm, I'm getting a little crazy about Golden State basketball right now in the NBA. So I think I'll miss a game. You know, I, you know now that doesn't mean you have to miss a game. You can go ahead and watch it. But sometimes... For us, it's, it, there, there is that, that opportunity to just say, you know, I don't want this thing that is good to be able to be used by the enemy to, to be something that, that kind of robs me from what could be happening if I wasn't obsessing so much about this. Anybody obsess about stuff? You got it? We got any OCD people here? No. We, we obsess about certain things, yeah, and it's, it, all of a sudden it, it just it consumes us. You can even get religious obsession. And you can be obsessing about some, one, one or more of the disciplines that is designed to release the grace of God, but then they become the focal point and we miss the relational dynamic of intimacy with him. 
So he wants us to believe the miraculous signs, his resurrection, all designed to cause us to believe and to receive his commission. Just as the Father has sent me, I am sending you, full of the Holy Spirit, as a human being. Spirit gives birth to spirit. You're loved. You belong to him. And he's delighting in you. (laughs) You're full of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit's been given without measure. Ooh, I love that. The problem is I only take him in measurable quantities. When he's been given, he's been released without measure. But by the time he gets through my funnel, it comes out into a very small, yeah, Lord, increase. Increase the line. We have authority over the evil one. We have authority over demons. We have authority with nature. You don't think we have authority with nature. You haven't met Linda Robertson yet. She's our weather prayer. Uh, And as Jesus was in the boat and it was storming, he said, peace be still. We have an event. We say, Linda, pray. It's forecast for ba 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 ba. She gets her intercessors, they pray, whatever, and most of the time, I don't know if we're batting a thousand, but we're batting a high percentage. Uh, yeah, I think the Lord hears her weather prayers. Those are good. <laughs> we didn't tell her to, Linda, would you pray that it would stop? No. <laughs> Forgiveness of sins. Wow. That's amazing. The forgiving of sins and and the healing of the body, we find in in Mark chapter 2 how they're related. And that some some physical healings have an unforgiveness, a spiritual, emotional dynamic attached to them. And as as we get release and are forgiven of our sins then the healing takes place and we rise and we take up our mat and we walk. Other times it's associated with, you know, the, the, the lady that had been eight, bound 18 years by Satan. And so her physical healing came as she was delivered from the bondage that the evil one had, had put on her. Yeah. Love it. So here we have the disciples. They find out that Jesus is alive. They're overjoyed, all but Tom. Tom's not in. He's not in the program. Jesus goes out of his way, shows up when Tom's there, allows him to put and to have his eyewitness and his flesh-touching flesh moment. He is then fully believing. And, And then we have chapter 21. Jesus goes out of his way for his disciples. Here after all of this, according to John's gospel, Peter decides to go fishing. Which sounds like in the midst of all of this, it's so overwhelming. He's got the trauma of, of denying Christ three times. He's, he's, he's got the post-resurrection. He tries to outrun John to the tomb. He's expending physical energy. He's got emotional energy. There's spiritual dynamics that's just taken place. And it appears that he just is so overloaded, he goes back into his default mode 
and goes fishing. Fishes all night, catches nothing. And Jesus knows out of these two times with all the disciples there, implying that Peter was there both times, he still knows things aren't right with Peter. That could be like you today. You've been coming to church, coming to church, coming to church, but the Lord still knows there's something not right. And he wants to take time and he wants to fix your breakfast. Mm-hmm. And if the humility that it takes to encounter Jesus at this point because he cries out and he's, you know, you ask fishermen, you got any fish? And you've been fishing all night and you, haven't got a, you don't have a minnow? You haven't caught anything? It's a little embarrassing. This is male ego, you know? So there, he, he, have you caught any fish? No. <sighs> Cast your net on the other side, the right side. So they cast the net and they have 156 large fish and their nets don't break and they get them all to shore and John realizes it's Jesus. Peter jumps in the water, swims to him. You have all that incredible story that we've loved and we've gone over and can you imagine? Peter, I just love how fast he responds. You know, he just jumps in. He's swimming like crazy. He, you know, he's got his outer garment. He's there. He gets to Jesus. And then it's like, uh, 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 why'd I jump in the water and swim to be the first one here? Uh, and they knew it was Jesus but none of them asked who he was. Which implies that they're not 100% sure. They're probably 90% sure that it's Jesus, but they don't ask who he is. But then Jesus goes out of his way to make sure that Peter gets what he needs. If we are sent by the Father as the Father has sent the Son, and the Son has sent us, then we realize that when the Son sends us, He's concerned about all our failures that we think has disqualified us from ever serving the Lord again. Whatever it is that the enemy's got on us that he thinks he can use to make us disqualified, fouled out of the game, no longer on the A team, we're on the B squad, or C squad, or D squad, or whatever. Jesus takes time because he's sending us as the Father sent him. And the Father sent him fully aware of who he was. At this point, Peter doesn't know who he is. He, he, he would probably say, I am the one that denied, denied Jesus three times. And Jesus wants him to know who he is. You are the one who loves me more than these. You are the one who I've called to feed my lambs. I've called to take care of my sheep. I've called to feed my sheep. You are the one that's fully restored in the fullness of who Jesus Christ is. And you are being sent by the power of the Holy Spirit to direct the sheep to lead the sheep, to feed the sheep, 
to make sure that you give them the truth. Make sure you get them to green pastures. Lead them beside the still waters. Restore their soul. (sighs) Anoint them till they overflow. Let their cup runneth over. Still got to use King James every now and then, don't you? Yeah. We got to runneth over. Yeah. I am sending you as the Father has sent me. The Father is completely concerned about the whole restoration of every one of his sons and daughters so that they can be sent into the earth knowing that they are loved, that they belong to the family of God, that their citizenship is in heaven, in the kingdom, that they go with power and authority, that they will release the miraculous over the demonic forces, even over nature, and over every sickness and every form of illness, including death itself. That's the gospel. And that's what he's saying here. So let's start nourishing others. Let's start nourishing those that don't even know him yet. Let's speak life to them. Let's release the love of the Father in ways that so blows their gaskets they don't know what hit them. But a love bomb. So I see here with Peter's restoration, that once again, the foundation of love has to be the very basis which everything else then proceeds from. From being restored into our rightful place of knowing how much the Father loves us, how much we belong to him, and how much approval we have of him. Then the miraculous signs, the Holy Spirit becomes that breathable dynamic that as we're breathing, we realize spirit is entering and we are filled with the Holy Spirit without limit. And that all authority that Jesus has, has won back from the evil one is now delegated to us. Let's pray. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will use this morning as just initiating point to spring us into deep meditation and communion with you to just reflect upon how, Father God, you sent Jesus to us and in the same way how Jesus is sending us to others. Thank you that we are the answer to the prayer that Jesus prayed before he went to the cross, that those who would believe that had never seen, we are sent just as those who walked with you because you have birthed life in us. We thank you for the miracle of the new birth We thank you for the wonderful, wonderful activity of the Holy Spirit in us, baptizing us, filling us over and over. Mm. 
Holy Spirit, it's as though as you fill us, we're like sails on a sailboat that just catches the wind and we're full mast and we're able to move faster than we ever thought a boat could move on the water because of your breath, because of your wind. And so we invite you right now. I pray especially for the ones who feel disqualified. Lord, the ones that, are, that, that like Peter, know that you're risen, are filled with joy about it. Notice how you gave Thomas special attention. And yet the way in which we've failed you feels like we're not included. Or we're just generically included with no special purpose. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and go to the place in our hearts. Speak your truth. Bring your healing grace. And let the fullness of your presence fill us with power, with, with love, with desire and belief to live and to follow and to be friends for eternity with you. Hmm. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.